This is Bridging the Gap with Love, Episode 9, Communication in Open Adoption. I'm Heidi Brower, a birth mom. And I'm Jessica Johns, an adoptive mom. And this is a podcast about our own stories and experiences with adoption, while hoping to provide education and support for birth moms, potential birth moms, and anyone with a connection to adoption. Hi guys, welcome to today's episode. Today we are talking about communication and open adoption and what that means and what it entails and how we can try and be better communicators in this very awkward relationship because that's really what it is. It's a little bit of an awkward relationship, but working through it, it can be beautiful and you can have great communication with everybody involved in the adoption world and your adoption world. Okay, so I want you just to think about a relationship that you have, one that's like that you're deeply connected to, one that has required work. And I want you to think about what that has required of you. And sometimes it requires awkward situations where both parties are uncomfortable, but you have to work through it. And that, I think, happens a lot in a birth parent, adoptive parent situation. And so we're going to just try and help you work through some of these scenarios and how you could best communicate with each other, because really it can just be beautiful and open if you allow it to. So some principles that we were kind of thinking about that had to do with really good communication is, first of all, I think being open and honest and being vulnerable about what you are feeling so that the other people in this situation really know what you're feeling. Um, What do you think about that principle, Jessica? Yeah. Um, I was looking up the word communicate and I found the word commune, which means to literally like share your thoughts and feelings with somebody else. And that's just been a really powerful thing for Danielle and Jessica to do for me, because even though we're in this adoption situation together, they're walking the other side of that path. And I don't I haven't walked that path and I wouldn't understand it or be able to empathize with it if they didn't share with me how it felt to place their baby in my home and my family and pain and grief and loss that you can feel, but also the beauty and gratitude and love that they feel as well. And so I've been so grateful that they've been willing to share their hearts, their feelings with me, um, because it's kind of opened up my eyes to their experience of adoption and help me to be there for them in ways that I wouldn't be able to if they hadn't told me how they were truly feeling. So I think sometimes just being vulnerable about how you're feeling and being willing to kind of risk not necessarily hurting the other person, but sharing your real heart that there are times where you're feeling sad and And that helps the other person know how to best support you, which I think creates a really beautiful, healthy relationship between two moms. Yeah. And sometimes it really is uncomfortable and you don't want to share how you really feel because you're afraid of judgments or just, you know, you don't want to upset the other person. Or, And a lot of times I think sometimes we think like, oh, I'm being a baby about this or, oh, whatever. But if you don't set forth... um, if, you, if you're not honest about how you're really feeling, then the other person will never truly understand, like, how you're feeling. Yep. So you can't be upset if they, you know, if they're not responding to you, if they don't understand. And anyways, it's just the good open communication is best. And I think 
Um, I have a good example of this when, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit later, but really early on, you know, it was just our communication was done through letters and then eventually email and phone and all that kind of stuff. But uh, later on, when we were able to see each other more often, Alex was about to turn 18 and I felt like I could have a, a conversation with her about, you know, why I placed for adoption and just kind of really wanted to have a very open and candid conversation with her. And so all of our families were together, well, our families, my family, her family, we were all together playing games and stuff. And I pulled Alex aside. I had a really good conversation with her. And then later, Andrea texted me and kind of just shared with me how she felt a little bit blindsided. Uh, and it wasn't anything like, you aren't supposed to be talking to Alex by yourself. It was none of that. It was just, I didn't expect that. And I would have loved to have kind of been given a heads up. And I'm going to be honest, that conversation was a little bit awkward, but it was so helpful in our relationship because we were open and we communicated. And when she told me that, I was like, you are right. Like, I should have given you a heads up just to say, hey, I want to have a conversation with Alex. Is that okay? And that was on me. And that's something that I learned how I needed to be a better communicator with Andrea. And that actually, that experience has really helped grow our relationship even further. And so I'm so thankful that she was open and honest with me about how she was feeling, even though it was uncomfortable. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the evolution of communication in our adoptions, how that started for you and Andrea years ago, and what that looks like now. Okay, so way back in the days of 2002, (laughs) um, or we didn't have cell phones, like, I mean, we did, but they're not, they weren't not smartphones. They were quite clumsy phones. <laughs> Anyways, we uh, it was a semi-closed adoption. So we had the expectation of we would write letters. And I talked about this. We would write letters once a week, every six weeks. And that would go through the agency. And the agency would have to look them over and make sure we weren't giving any vital information to each other. And then it would go to um, once a month and so on and so forth. And so we just kind of went in with the expectations that it was going to be through letter writing And then after, I think she was about three years old, is when we were able to exchange email addresses. And that was just on our own. It's like these kind of things like organically happened and we exchanged email addresses. So our communication was a lot quicker and we were able to receive pictures through email that way. And then uh, as time went on, I believe probably when she was uh, probably around 13 is when we exchanged, I exchanged phone numbers with Andrea. And that has how I always communicated with her up until Alex was 19, honestly. And we just had this understanding that I would text or call Andrea and she would text or call me. And mostly it was texting. Um, Every once in a while we'd get on a phone call if we like had a lot of things we wanted to talk about that wasn't just text. And um, we would then became, you know, Facebook friends down the road and all this kind of has taken time, but we were able to just communicate that way. And it, it grew organically. And, um, I, I gotta be honest. I love when I get to just talk to her on the phone because it's like two best friends that just get to talk about everything. And there's no lag. There's no trying to read how somebody's what they're saying through a text message. It's so much nicer just to get on the phone. And I love that. And it's actually interesting because I never really communicated with Alex personally until she was 19 years old. I didn't have her phone number until she was 19. And that's just how, again, organically things had like moved on with communication. And 
And I didn't feel at all. I think some people might be like, oh, well, aren't you upset by that? I'm like, no, because it just all felt very natural and organic. And we were able to have that open communication. And so if I ever, if we were getting, going to be in town, I would text Andrea and we would just get together. And then uh, last year is when I came to visit and Andrea had to work and Alex had the day off. And so we just hung out together. So I was kind of like, it was, a, it was a really awkward situation where I was like, so if we're going to go hang out at the mall, I should probably get your phone number. And she, she looked at her mom and her mom said, it's up to you. Like you're an adult. This is one of those boundaries that you have to decide if this is what you want to do. And I actually love that she said that in front of me because it helped me realize like, oh, we are still all setting boundaries and that's okay. And so she gave me her phone number and now her and I, Alex and I, we text every once in a while. Like it is not all day long because I promised her that I would not harass her with cat memes. I did say that and I never have, <laughs> but we just did it. We just exchanged phone numbers and we've been able to talk um, every once in a while. We'll just text each other it's, and it's not a big deal. I love that. Yeah. Ours is a little bit different because we adopted the girls in 2012 and because our adoptions were independent we weren't working with an agency we did communicate um, before placement through like a social worker or there was always some kind of a third party involved like either my aunt or a friend involved and then at a certain point once the girls were in our home You know, Danielle and I got to exchange phone numbers and just navigate this relationship on our own. And I remember being nervous and kind of worried, like, how are we going to figure this out together? Um, We were living in the same state. We were a few hours apart. And that first year, I'll have to ask Danielle, but I think we got together probably at least four times that year. And we would get together like at a mall or a park, I think. Um, And then on their first birthday, we actually went to Danielle's grandma's home and celebrated their first birthday um, with her family. And it was really, really special. So um, that's kind of how that worked that first year with our adoption with the girls. And with Jessica, with Bradley's adoption, that was, again, another independent adoption where from the very beginning, even before Bradley was born, Jessica and I were were visiting with each other. We were going to appointments together. We were texting each other. We were very involved in each other's lives and just became natural friends. And for us, what was interesting is we were living like in the same city and even attending church on Sundays together. And I remember thinking like at a certain point, like, are we going to need to move? Like, is this going to be too close of contact? And that was kind of one of those awkward conversations that we had. Like, how is this going to be for you? Is this going to be uncomfortable? How is this going to be for us, for me and Jared, to come and see, you know, her every week? Um, we ended up just staying put and working it out. And it ended up being like a really special time for our families to kind of continue to get to know each other and for her to be able to see Bradley and hold Bradley even after he was born. Um, but for the most part... Our communication with our kids' birth moms has been through text, but I totally agree that like talking on the phone and FaceTiming every once in a while is is so special to be able to see each other's faces, to be able to see how we're reacting to things and for them to be able to see the kids um, has just been just a really meaningful way to connect. I just had this thought about, I think that when you have this 
this relationship with a birth mom, adoptive mom situation, I think what really helps is if you have something else that you can find in common or that you are interested in other than the child. And even though like that's a huge part of why of your relationship, I've always felt that Andrea was 100% invested in like my life and what was going on with me. And she would ask about my kids and everything that I was doing with my job, with whatever, with Jared's job. She was very much interested in just me. And I was the same with her and her two other kids. Every time I would send a gift, it would be for all three kids. Or every time we would go see them, uh, I would be interested in not just Alex. It was, I would be interested in Andrea and the other two kids and everything else that was going on. And I really think that that helped build our relationship because it was built on more than just one person. Yeah, or this exchange or transaction of receiving this baby. I remember when we met Jessica and started meeting with her regularly, I remember just kind of the impression that, you know, before placement as an adoptive or hopeful adoptive parent, you you have no guarantee that this baby is going to end up in your family. But I remember feeling really impressed that at that time, our goal, Jared and I's goal, was just to help Jessica get through this difficult time in her lives, in her life. And we did that in a in a lot of different ways by getting to know her, by like genuinely caring about her and wanting what was best for her. Our prayer at that time was not just to get the baby that she was carrying, but was that she was going to be able to get through this difficult time and make the decision that was going to be best for her and best for her family. And if it ended up being the best thing for our family, that would be wonderful too. But I remember just really feeling impressed to stay focused on Jessica and what she needed at that time and that everything else would fall into place. And it really did. And it also just created a relationship that was, again, built on more than just like, hey, I really want your baby, but hey, I really care about you and I want to um, be a part of your life regardless of what happens down the road. And we've just grown from there. Yeah, I love that. I just feel like everybody needs to be cared for and and loved and not just know that you're just there as like a, a byproduct of what's happening. I don't know. I just think that's a really important principle is really get to know the people that you are needing to communicate with um, on a on a deeper level. Um, So this also kind of helped me think about, I think the importance of keeping everybody in the loop. So I do this a lot. I've done this. I've always done this. Andrea has always been in the loop. Even after I had communication with just Alex, it was uh, talking to Andrea about what we were doing, where we were going, if I was going to send a gift, like it was just always like Andrea is a part of this relationship. And so I never felt like I wanted to keep anything from her it was just always like, hey, let's just have this open communication of if I'm going to hang out with Alex and what we're doing and where we're going. And I don't know, because I never wanted her to feel like once Alex and I had that relationship that she was going to be discarded. And that's not at all. It was we actually had this conversation one time where Andrea was like, sometimes I want to just hang out with you. And I said, I'm going to be honest. I want to just hang out with you, too. Like we are, you're like my best friend slash sister slash I don't know how to explain this relationship because it's amazing. But I want to just be with you, too. It's Alex could go work or do something else. And I would just hang out with her all day long. And actually, the last time I was there visiting, Alex did have to go to school. And I was like, darn, now I get to hang out with Andrea all day when really it was like, yes, I'm so excited just to hang out. And we went on these like electric scooters and rode around and we went and got lunch and we just had the best time. And I've 
I've never wanted her to feel like once I had a solid relationship with Alex that she was no longer important because she is one of the she's we're like a triad. Like I love having her as one of my best friends. I love that so much. I think the way we're able to build that kind of a loving, secure relationship is that as mothers, whether we're adoptive mothers or birth mothers, is feeling really secure and confident in the roles that we played in in this adoption story. Yeah. I don't know exactly how to articulate how we developed that over the years, but I've I've especially felt that for adoptive moms, it's just so, so important to feel really confident about who you are as your child's mom. And when you come from that place of like security and confidence in your own motherhood, it's really easy to then just feel completely free to share your child and let them love their, their birth mother and let them love their their birth family and to experience these relationships outside of your own because you know that they're yours forever. And so that's developed over years. It's taken time. It's taken some self-coaching. It's taken prayer, pondering. But the second that I felt just completely confident and sure in my relationship with each of my kids, there was no jealousy or threat or fear or anxiety that like would disconnect me from their birth moms anymore. And um, that's just been such a beautiful place to grow a relationship from because we just all love each other and we all love these children. Yeah. I think how I have helped in this situation or how birth moms can help in this situation is I've said, I think I said in the last episode, like, I am Andrea's number one fan. And I've always said to Alex and to Andrea, like, you're amazing. Your mom's amazing. Like, she's your mom. She's the best thing ever. You know, like, just reiterating those kind of uh, words to use with them. And there have been times where I have just randomly felt like I should send Andrea a text today and just tell her how much I love her and how, what an amazing mom I think she is. And I don't know if that's helped or whatever, but I've just always felt like if I can be a person that uplifts her and helps her realize, like, you are exactly who is supposed to be Alex's mom and your other kid's mom. Like, if I can just help, like, build that confidence and security a little bit, I am so happy to do that. And I think that that is really, I just have the thought, like, in all of our relationships, like, why can't we just say those really cool, uplifting words to each other to help us all feel secure in our relationships and it's no different in this kind of relationship. I actually think it's needed a lot more. I mean, it, it is. And I think that's something that as adoptive moms, we can do too, right back to um, our kids' birth moms. There's times when I will like just stop in the middle of the day and I'll be looking at Bradley. And when I look at Bradley, I can't not think about Jessica <laughs> because out of all four of her kids, I'm pretty sure I got the one that looks the most like. He looks so much like her. <laughs> and so there's moments where I just feel so filled with like gratitude and love. And I'll just shoot her a text and say, Jessica, thank you so much for giving me your son. Like we love him so much. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. I'll tell her like, thank you for letting Jared be a dad of a little boy. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't know if that was ever going to be a possibility for us. And we can just express gratitude and reaffirm the decisions that we've made and the roles that we've played in each other's lives and in the lives of our children. And um, I don't know. I just think that's it's such a beautiful thing to do for each other. Oh, yeah. I 
I think we all deal with enough insecurities. I mean, you guys, I even deal with insecurities of having biological children of like, am I messing them up or whatever, right? So like we have enough insecurities, like let's just try and help build each other up and really try and help each other feel like we're doing a good job. I just think that goes a long way. Okay. I think maybe we should tackle the idea of uh, social media Hmm. and how that helps or hinders (laughs) these delicate relationships. I mean, what do you think? I mean, because it's been, it's been different for you. For me, I can't even remember when we became Facebook friends or anything like that, but that adds a whole other layer of complication, don't you think? It really does, because I think something that helps communication be effective is when it's clear and direct, and social media can sometimes muddy that because, I don't know, you read into things maybe differently. Um, You can kind of be in your head about like, oh gosh, like I don't, about what they're posting and think, you know, and it can kind of feed into your own insecurities. Well, don't you think when you're on social media, like you're com- you're constantly comparing yourself? Yeah. It just happens all the time. It doesn't matter if it's anybody. You're just constantly comparing because people have a tendency sometimes to post their best self. And so sometimes it could cause uh, insecurities where it's like, oh, well, they're having so much fun or they get to do all of these things. But do they, you know, they're a lot of times people aren't posting the worst part of them. I can think of one example of this where uh, just actually this just happened recently where Andrea had posted, um, you know, something about Alex and and made references. A lot of times when Andrea posts about Alex, it's my girl and she'll say like my girl this or my girl that. And one time she messaged me and I had seen these posts and she had messaged me and she was like, hey, does it bother you when I say that? And I'm like, no. And I I was thinking, I didn't even think about it that way. But it's funny how sometimes our minds can play games on us and can take us down these paths of these stories of, oh, it's going to hurt somebody's feelings and they're going to be thinking this and, you know, whatever. And I just I had just had to reiterate to her, like, you saying things like my girl on social media just really makes me happy and smile because you're exactly who I wanted for her. Like, I want her to have a good relationship with you. And when you use words like my girl, it just helps me like know that you have such a strong relationship with her and I love it so much. But I can also see where what we post could be taken in a different way. And if we're not communicating, then we are trying to navigate, you know, what does it mean? And what did she mean by that? And, you know, I don't know. It's just, it adds a whole other dimension of difficulty where I think the open communication is important. And Andrea could have stood on that for a long time of like, I don't know, Heidi hasn't messaged me in a long time or she hasn't texted me. Maybe she's upset when really we had just moved to a new area. I was kind of just trying to get, we were just in the middle of life. And I didn't really even think anything of it other than smiling when I saw that post and was just so happy that Alex had that with her mom. And I loved it so much. Yeah. One thing that Danielle and Jessica have done that I think has just been really respectful and kind is I will send them pictures pretty regularly through text message. And every once in a while they'll ask, is it okay if I post this? Oh, yes. And yeah, they'll just ask good. me if that's okay. And yeah. and at this point in our relationships, it's it's going to always be okay for me unless they're like half naked because like that's never right. going to be okay. <laughs> right. Or if they look, I'm always like, I don't like posting like really embarrassing pictures of my kids. Those are things that I don't want anybody posting. Right. That's ammunition for later. I know, exactly. <laughs> um, but I just think that's so sweet and so respectful that they ask my permission. 
um, to post these things on Facebook. And because I've really, if you follow me on social media, really the only thing I've ever posted about is about our open adoptions because I just love sharing the relationships that I have with my kids' birth moms on social media and the experiences that we get to have all together. And so that's something that they've done for me that's just really helped me feel like, oh, like we all just want to share these beautiful kids that we love. And, um, it's kind of a blanket approval at this point now, like, but yeah. every once in a while, they'll still ask, is it okay if I post this? And I'm like, please do. Like, I want you to share the joy that you feel by seeing, you know, Sweet Bradley and your girls, like, um, you know, at their dance performance, like, they're excited about it, too. So I love that they want to share. Like, to me, I'm just so excited for my kids that they have all these people rooting for them. Yes, it is a good point, though. I would always err on the side of asking permission first. I've done that in the past where I've said, are you going to be okay if I post something or even like, because I just became Instagram and Facebook friends with Alex over the last year or so. And so on her birthday this year, I even texted her and I was like, are you okay if I write a really sappy post about you? And she was like, yeah, totally fine. But it's always appreciative to ask permission. Um, And that just, again, opens the windows of communication where on the other side, it's like, oh, they care about how I feel instead of just... In this instance, asking permission is way better than asking for forgiveness. That's my opinion. I agree. So I would just say to anyone kind of newly navigating this open adoption communication, that if it seems like too much to be social media friends or to be connected online right now, if you're really trying to kind of clean up your relationship, make sure that it's healthy and sustainable, it's okay to like pull back or to not engage on social media quite yet. Don't feel like just because that's how you're connected with all the other people in your life, that that's a a way that you need to communicate or connect with your kids' birth parents. Like I would wait till you feel ready and like the foundation has been built Um, because you know how it is, you know, on Facebook and Instagram, once you're friends, like if you ever have to take that back, they're going to know about it. It's kind of uncomfortable. So I would just, before you, you know, before you make that next step, realize that like, that is a, that is, you know, a different type of communication that can make it trickier to kind of, um, I don't know, just stay positive and clean about your thoughts and feelings and relationship. So yeah, I agree with that. I think there's not one way, one right way to communicate. You know, just I think the principles that we talked about being open, honest, vulnerable, um, you know, discussing expectations, keeping everyone in the loop, using positive language to help each other, um, and then really just choosing which way is best for you to communicate. There's there's not one there's not one size fits all for this. And if you're not ready to you know, call on the phone yet and you just want to keep it text messaging, that's also okay. Um, And things will organically progress. I think that's actually the healthiest way is to not force anything into it. It's how are we feeling and what are the next steps? And if the next steps are staying right where we are with our communication, then that's what's right. And if we feel like we could open the door a little bit more, then that could be right too. But allowing things to naturally and organically progress, I feel is is a healthy way to, you know, battle that, not battle, but like go through this communication situation. Yeah, I agree. You have to remember that like Heidi's 20 years into this process. I'm, you know, nine and a half, almost 10 years into this process. And so we're coming at it from an angle of like, we've been doing this for a while. Like, I feel like we're pretty good at it and it's gotten to be really fun, but it did take, um, it did take work in the beginning and it, you know, to, 
just like any relationship, just upkeep to just make sure everybody's kind of on the same page and feeling good about things. So Yeah. And it took learning, growing pains. That's the word Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. It's growing pains. And you have to be humble enough to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, could I have handled that situation a little bit differently? A lot of times for me, the answer is yes. And for that, it's not being upset about the situation. It's going forward and saying, okay, I now know that this is something that I can do better. So when I go forward, I'm going to make sure I work on that and be better at that. And as comfortable as those growing pains are, they are so necessary because my relationship with Andrea is one of the most sacred, deeply connected relationships that I have. And it has had growing pains, but it is so worth it. And we are 20 years into it. And I, it was long and it took a a lot of patience from me um, to get to where we are, but it has absolutely been worth it. And I truly feel that when handled correctly, people can have beautiful, open relationships with their, um, with their birth child's parents and that it can be amazing. Yeah. Just another thought that I had is sometimes call out the awkwardness in the relationship because like there were times when like Jessica and I would go to an appointment together and we're like, I wonder like what they're going to think about us. Like, um, you know, if we went to an appointment for Bradley's ultrasound or whatever, and there were times where I called Jessica, my baby mama, you know, like, let's just, let's just every (laughs) once in a while, like it just gets a little bit, a little bit awkward. And so keeping it light and, and having fun with it, I don't know, can also kind of help get through some of those kind of awkward moments as yeah, well. Yeah, like own it. That's right. I love it. It's so fun. So try and work on that communication. It'll if you And if you guys need help or ideas or you're really struggling with like, how do I approach the situation, please reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram. Uh, and our email is bridgingthegapwithlove22 at gmail.com. And our Instagram, it's long, but it's there. It's bridging.the.gap.the dot with dot love. Wow. I know lots of dots. Yeah. But it's there. You guys can find us and you can message us. We are always open to help um, help you try and navigate through some of these communication situations because it can be awkward. But again, it can be beautiful. So until next time, guys, thanks so much. 